Welcome to The Next Step, the podcast for students, hosted by Stint. Welcome to the next episode of the Stint Podcast. Our guest today is one of my childhood friends, Josh Browder. I might have known Josh for a number of years, but that's not the reason he's speaking to us today. Josh is incredible. He established himself as one of the world's most successful young entrepreneurs. Josh founded Do Not Pay, a platform that allows drivers to fill their parking tickets automatically, but he kept racking up parking tickets outside of our school. This proves my theory that the best ideas can come from our day-to-day experiences. I love chatting about all things business with Josh, and his humility, work ethic, and creativity leaves much to be admired. I can't wait to watch Josh continue building and go from strength to strength. I hope you enjoy listening. Hey, Josh, welcome to the STEM podcast. How's it going? Thank you so much for having me. It's going great. Cool. Well, for those who don't know, we were obviously in school together and sat next to each other in business studies, economics, most of our classes. So it seems quite fitting that so early on in our careers, we're now running two startups in other sides of the world. And I think that's pretty cool. Before we begin, a big congratulations in order, I, I hear. Um, well, it's just a small congratulations. Uh, I'm, I'm just an investor on, on the side and hit my first unicorn, so I'm happy. And, and when did you start your, the fund? Uh, six months ago. So in six months, you made an investment and that investment's turned into a billion dollar business that quickly. It's crazy. Uh, I think we're in uh, no time in human history is like the time we're in today. Yeah, well, I think also credit to you for, for finding that opportunity. So very well done. So for those that don't know, Josh and I are both 24 years old and we both run businesses. Um, Josh's business is very different to mine and very a lot further down the line. But his story is remarkable in so many ways. And today I think it's best to break tradition and hear a little bit about the early stages of Josh's experience because he set it up whilst at school. Um, so Josh, I'm going to hand over to you to describe the first first six months or so of what Do Not Pay was like. So I was in high school, uh, well, secondary school in Hampstead, and I got all these expensive parking tickets. I went to a school called UCS, and of course, there are 60 pounds, 120 pounds, and I didn't have the money as a school student to pay them. And so I became an expert in the laws of England and the ways people can get out of their parking tickets. And I began to win my cases. And there was this rumor in uh, UCS that I could win people's cases. And so everyone started asking me for my help. And I was writing the same letter over and over again, copying and pasting back on Microsoft Word then. And as a software engineer, I thought this can so easily be automated. So I created donotpay.co.uk between the hours of 12 and 3 a.m. Uh, to get people out of their tickets, just for fun, really. And I could never have imagined that within a few weeks, tens of thousands of people would be using it because it would go viral on Reddit. And so that's really how Do Not Pay got started. I mean, amazing. And I think that for our students listening to this, and I'm sure you get asked all the time as well, but one of the questions that I am always asked is, how do you come up with that idea? Or what's the first thing you do? And I think I witnessed the creation of this because our classroom was sat opposite the school front entrance. And I used to remember watching you run into class late, having seen you drive up the hill to park your car. And so I watched this whole thing unfold. And I think it's incredibly 
refreshing to see where you are today, but also for our students to listen and hear that you started this whilst at school because you got parking tickets, because you wrote a letter multiple times and that became a business. And I think it shows that opportunity is always around us and whatever it is in your base, in, in, in your day-to-day life, th- that could be the next business opportunity. So I suppose if we could jump forward, just so our, our users could know again, what, how would you describe you're not paid today? Because obviously you've gone, that, that was how many years ago? Five years ago? Six years ago? Five years ago. I can't five believe it. Crazy. Um, so five years later, do not pay is remarkably, well, remarkably successful. In a, in a few words, how would you describe where do not pay is today in the trajectory of startup growth? And then we'll go back and we'll look at the journey, you know, the journey to get here. So do not pay today is what I like to call the world's first robot lawyer. And what that means is we've gone from one use case, parking tickets, to over 200 use cases today across consumer rights. So the first generation of consumer rights were all these blogs like Money Saving Expert and Witch, where you could read about what to do. Do not pay just does it for you. So it negotiates with your utility company. It gets you compensation when you have a delayed flight really uh, having consumers' backs in a world where the deck is stacked against the average person. Yeah, and I think in typical Josh style, he's incredibly humble in, that, in the sense that he explained what Do Not Pay does, but you know, I don't remember the last valuation you raised that, but Josh has raised serious amounts of money from, some, from the biggest investors in the world. And I think that is a tremendous, a tremendous validation for what, he is, what he's building. So going back to school, and let's talk about 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. You know, people are going to see you today as probably one of the most impressive 24-year-olds in the world, really. I can't think of many people that have achieved anywhere near what you have achieved the last few years. Um, do you think it was obvious in those early days? Do you think you always knew this was going to be the, the case? Definitely not. I, I really just did this to solve my own problem. And I thought that even if no one uses this, at least it would be useful for me. So I'm guaranteed at least one customer myself. I thought that parking tickets was kind of a niche uh, problem that maybe only me, I had because I was a terrible driver. I didn't realize that uh, the government exploits people and issues tickets not to um, punish people, but to raise money. Yeah, well, for sure. So would you say that at school, it wasn't so much the, the draw of entrepreneurship. Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur or was it more that you just found a niche that really worked? I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think that if I was working at a, a traditional job, I'd probably get fired on the first day for like doing something too creative or speaking to the press or something like that. Um, and I suppose the, the natural follow-up to that is, how did you know that you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? And, I and, always, and then more like more wider, do you think that most people know they want to be an entrepreneur if you do want to be an entrepreneur? I think we're in a remarkable time in the world where um, a single person using software can build something great. And you can only do that as an entrepreneur because if you're in someone else's business or working for a big corporation, you need to ask someone's permission. You have a manager and a manager's manager, and it might take 20 years to actually build what you want, even if they give you permission. But as an entrepreneur, you can say you want to create something and get it done. And so just the having the ability to kind of change the world in a way that um, suits me and makes me happy is why I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. For example, with parking tickets, I think it's ridiculous you pay 60 pounds because you make a small mistake scratching the permit. And so I wanted to change the world and not have anyone's permission to do that. It sounds, it sounds pretty appealing to me, which is why I followed you into it. So 
how did it start? So you obviously started the product. At what point did you know this was more than a product and now a business? Was it the demand that you had so quickly or was it all the press? Because I remember all the press was crazy as well. Yeah, I didn't expect the press to pick up on it. I was just um, sharing it among my friends. I think I even sent it to you. Um, and one of my friends happens to be a blogger at the Huffington Post. And so she wrote about it and she used it. And usually these Huffington Post blogs, there are like a million of them. They don't, they get like 500 views. But this one, everyone hate, hated parking tickets so much that it got to the front page of Reddit. And we went from like 10 cases, me, you and four other people um, to 50,000 cases. And then all the big press like the Daily Mail and the Telegraph and the Times started writing about it. And then it became this snowball. And that's what made me realize there's something here and I should actually pursue this rather than it being a side project. And was this in the summer after your A-levels, before university, or was this a little bit later on? That's exactly right. So the summer between A-levels and university. And as you know, it's the golden time where um, you've got your offer, of, uh, you, you have a summer to do whatever you want. And at any point, did you consider not going to university? It's always been my dream to be in the center of Silicon Valley. And I think if it wasn't Stanford, maybe I'd consider it. But meeting fellow entrepreneurs and engineers has really been important. And a university, it still has that, at least in person. I don't think it's worth it now on Zoom. So you ran, um, you ran to not pay throughout your, the entire four years you spent at Stanford. I started stint with, with Sam in my final year and his second year. And then he only did one year because he dropped out. Um, I remember speaking to you during the time and, you know, hearing the toll of, of doing a computer, you majored in computer science, is that right? Um, yeah. Majoring in computer science, at one of the best universities in the world, maintaining, a, 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 you know, top grades, getting involved in lots of things and building a business. I think most people couldn't even comprehend, you know, thinking about it, let alone doing it. Um, how did you get through it? I got through it really badly in the sense that I would forget to pay my uh, hosting bill and the website would go offline. Um, I would forget to study for a midterm and it would be very stressful. So it, it was very hard to juggle both. And I think that's why it took five years to get where we are today. These days you're seeing companies, they go from like zero to a billion in six months, literally, um, like the one I invested in. Um, and so I think if I was starting today, being free, I would uh, do it a lot quicker. But it is what it is, and I'm so happy I got to enjoy college. And do you feel like it's a, it, it's a, it's a good set of advice to give to somebody to set up a business whilst at university? Would you recommend someone else to do it? Definitely. I think that it's the only opportunity in life when uh, you don't really have to worry about many of the things that you do when you're a true grown-up and um, starting a business is... I think every college student should, should probably try starting a business or uh, working for themselves in some way. Yeah, and I think it's important to add that it doesn't need to be tech. I think you should just think of any solution or any problem that you find and just try and solve that because chances are, or what I found is that if you're feeling a problem, there are other people feeling the same problem. And Josh is a perfect example of that. You know, his parking ticket, you know, he had that at school with the wider, with the wider school community. And then he had that on Reddit on the wider online community. So I think whatever your business is, it's if whatever your idea is or whatever frustration you have, I think it's anything can be sent into a business. Um, so also having been in the same boat as you, I think one of the things that I found was this imposter syndrome is the wrong word, but let's call it imposter syndrome for one of a better word, especially at university when you have no idea what you're doing, you tell everyone you're at university, you're having meetings. Yeah, I'm at university. Did that ever play an impact on you? 
I think um, the great news is the product speaks for itself. So if you have a product that people use and love, no one even knows who's behind it initially. People would write in to do not pay and assume we're some big law firm and ask us for help with their legal issues. And they wouldn't know it's just this one person sitting behind his college dorm. And so that's the beauty of creating something. Your work speaks for itself. With that said, though, it was super intimidating meeting all these venture capitalists. And how did you deal with that? How did you deal with people asking, are you a kid? Because for me, it's, it's obviously one of the first things people say, or maybe not now, but definitely earlier in the journey was the first thing people, you know, and, we've, and people try to con us loads. Yeah. I mean, how do you deal with that? I think fail fast in the sense that the first media interview I did, it was the worst media interview anyone could ever do. Uh, and I learned from it very quickly. And as long as you're iterating and uh, not repeating your mistakes, you repeat this so much that eventually you become good at it. Same with the first VC pitch. I still remember it. It was abysmal. But if you do enough of them, of course, you're going to get better at it. I mean, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great mindset to have. I mean, in terms of like business plan, strategy, you know, building the tech, I mean, the tech's probably easier for you than it was, than it's for other people, than it certainly was for me. But in terms of knowing what to do more broadly, I think the thing that I get asked most of the time is how do I know what to do? Um, I suppose, how did you know what to do? Did you know what to do? I think, no, I had no idea, but I had several key principles, which is, so we closed our first pre-seed round from Andreessen Horowitz and it was a million dollars. And my principle was, we're gonna be super frugal. And so we just built all everything else from that. So for example, all these companies, they waste all their money on Facebook ads. We, we said at Do Not Pay, we're gonna spend zero money on advertising and build organic distribution so that it's free for us to acquire users. And so if you have like one key or one key principle, like being frugal, you can kind of build lessons from that as long as the original principle is correct. Very, very Dalio. I agree. And are you willing to share any more of those principles? Um, another principle I have is around team building. You don't want to get people who are in it for the money, especially me. I was in it to fight the government. And so I try and find people on the do not pay team who hate uh, the establishment and that's why they're doing it because if someone's um, motivated by money then it's ne it's not never going to be good in the long term I, I completely agree with you and I think that we see that I think culture is the reason that we're able to do everything that we're able to do in my opinion um has there been anything that you've been hindered by because of your age I think that when dealing with the government We've spoken to the government and these big companies and partnerships and things like that. It's very, well, at least when I was like 19, it's very difficult to kind of convince them to work with a 19 year old. So if you have an enterprise product where you're selling to large corporations, not necessarily small businesses, but these big governments and companies, it's probably not good to be a 19 year old. Okay, I agree with you. Um, but I think it's all, it's all experience and character building. Um, yeah. For those that I suppose aren't so familiar with the world of an entrepreneur and your life, where do you go from here? So what's the plan going forward, both in terms of do not pay, but also life beyond do not pay? I see do not pay as my life's work. Um, we have a list of 50 different products that we want to add to do not pay. And I think that it's one of the last like trillion dollar companies that uh, are left to be built. As of right now, we have over 150,000 paying subscribers and we think that everyone in the world could use do not pay. So we're just trying to grow it over the next few years. 
As for myself, I also love startup investing, supporting my friends. So I'm looking to do more of that as well. Amazing. And I, I suppose the same, I mean, you said a lot there and that's incredibly exciting, a trillion dollar company. Um, is everyone that has bought into to, to do a pay committed to that, that vision as well and that mission? I, I mean, I think it would be great. It would be great for them if, if that was the case. So I'm sure, I'm sure they're bought into that. 100%. Um, and in terms of the investing, how different is that to just generic startup management or is it the same skill set? And is there anything with experience that I suppose is more relevant from the investing because you've seen more things or is that not so relevant? The biggest thing that being a founder has taught me for investing is to have empathy. You see a lot of these professional VC investors and they have no empathy for the founder. So for example, one small thing they would do, which I'm sure you're familiar with, is every week, like when a competitor pops up, they would send you the competitor. As a founder, when I invest in companies, I never do that because I know that the founder already knows about it. It's probably not even relevant. It's just a waste of time. And so having those like six cents to behave properly is probably the thing that helps me the most. Being an investor is 1,000 times easier than being a founder. You just invest, help them a bit, and sit back and relax, and hopefully it becomes big. But being a founder every day, it's, it's stressful. And I, I'm up at 6 a.m. like checking the metrics. You don't have to do that as an investor. Nice. Um, what is your day-to-day? My day-to-day, I get up about 6 a.m., check all the metrics, come to work. Um, we're still in person. We're a very small team, so we can afford to do that brainstorm new products, fix bugs all day, end work about 6.30, 7 p.m., and then uh, go home, maybe do some investing or relax. Nice. And are you still very hands-on with the tech, or has your role of, I mean, I suppose you did everything to begin with, but how, how has your role evolved since the beginning? I've tried to take a step back from actually coding the products myself, which is very hard because um, I see Do Not Pay as my baby, but I think to succeed as an entrepreneur, you have to delegate. And if you're micromanaging everything, that's not scalable because I'm just one person. So I've taken a step back and now I just brainstorm the strategy and the products. Okay, cool. I like that. So obviously what we've spoken about is incredibly impressive. And the things that you've done and the the, the scale of your ambition is inspiring. What do you think is your greatest strength? And is there anything that's unique to you that that suppose makes you unique in being able to do this? It's very difficult to assess oneself in that way, but I would say that never giving up uh, is probably the thing that served me the best. And although Do Not Pay Now is doing very well, we've raised all this money, we have all these subscribers, we're growing. Um, There were points when it's very hard. I mean, I've been doing this for five years. And for example, although there was a lot of users with parking tickets, there's no, re- it was a free product. It was an open question as to whether it could be a real business. So it's incredibly difficult. And unless you never give up, uh, you won't succeed. And the reason I'm, I go back to solving a problem for yourself is unless you're passionate about the idea, you're going to give up. Uh, unless you enjoy what you're doing, obviously, eventually you'll be like, I've had enough. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but I, I suppose there's like, you know, lots of people you know, your, your resilience to get here is impressive, but there, what you've achieved is way more than just resilience. It's, you know, you speak in incredible panels. I remember even when I was at university, I, I just done freshers and you had just met one of the big tech gods that everyone obsesses over. So there are obviously things that are unique about you rather than just giving up. And of course, maybe do not pay us here today because of that. But 
you personally, what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get here at this question, I suppose, is for the student that doesn't think of themselves as fantastic or this incredible entrepreneur, they, they probably have some skills out there that they can maybe relate to. So personally about yourself, what has enabled you to get here rather than just giving up? I think that, I mean, I, I read like everything in the tech industry and it's amazing the amount of free information out there, like all these blogs, all these strategies, like specific tactical strategies to succeed, like SEO, where you can acquire customers from Google search, all of this stuff, how to fundraise. And so I've just been very intellectually curious over the past five years and tried to read everything that's out there and learn. So my biggest advice would be like, get on Twitter, start reading everything, and then eventually you build up what to do. Okay, I like that. Just to finish, imagine you have a younger sibling who is 18 years old and just about to start university. What do you tell them? What's the advice that you give to them? My advice would be, we're in the biggest bubble of human history right now. If you're not starting a business, it's a wasted opportunity. Find something you're passionate about, solve people's problems, and just go for it and build something quickly because no one knows how long this will last. Josh, great speaking to you. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you.